0: This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we continue our adventures in Acts with Forgiveness is Proclaimed to You, Turning to the Gentiles, Signs and Wonders, We Are Men, and Through Many Tribulations. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendoors.org or your favorite podcast provider.
1: Basically, you can't have a hate crime against a group that Yale Law School, Harvard Law School, and the New York Times and NPR don't think is an oppressed minority.
0: And I think that now it is very important to encourage Christians in Finland and everywhere that now it is the time to be open, not to be silent, to be open about your faith.
1: In those kinds of services, we have what are called praise teams, I've often wondered why there aren't lament teams.
2: The Bible is not primarily what I would call an upward-looking book, but it's a forward-looking book. So it's, it's not a book that's so much concerned about the die-and-go-to-heaven piece, but it's more concerned. I mean, the thing that's fixated on is the resurrection and the renewal of all things.
1: This is Pastor Michael and Lindsey Schmidt of Natoma, Kansas. And whenever we go on vacation, we always take along issues, etc. To help pass the interstate miles
0: issues etc talk radio for the vacationing lutheran family Lord
1: Mangley, please.
3: we'd like to shield little children from the harsh realities of life and of death but very early they begin thinking about these things yes they do think about them in childish ways but if, after all they are just children so how do you answer tough questions like, if a newborn baby dies, does that baby go to heaven? Is that baby saved? How does it work? Those are some of the questions we're going to be talking about here in part three of our series, Kids Have Questions, Life Issues, Connection to God, Confidence in Faith. Pastor Jonathan Connor joins us. He's pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Manning, Iowa. Jonathan, welcome back.
2: Hey Todd, thanks for having me back.
3: I happen to be preaching at a local church this last weekend, and I think four or five people approached me mentioning that this series, Kids Have Questions, they just loved listening to it. And these are adults who are listening to this Kids Have Questions series. What do you make of that?
2: Oh, you know, I think that's fantastic. That's great feedback, first of all, but i make a couple things out of it. Number one, Kids are asking questions that adults have either they're too polite to ask or you know they just haven't really had the opportunity to sit and reflect upon it but here when you give kids a chance to ask these questions I just think they're asking the questions that are that are human questions that we naturally wrestle with and I think when kids ask it, adults say oh this is like, I've had that question before and I guess part of me feels like I don't want to come across the wrong way but I don't know if we've always built a culture of questions in the church. And so I think people sometimes are afraid to ask these questions, so they just don't feel comfortable asking them, or they might look dumb if they ask them. And I think if we could build a culture of questions, that would be great. But I'll be honest, not another part of what I'm doing in my answers is I'm also aiming at adults here. I mean, I know these are questions we're all wrestling with. So I'm hoping to grab both uh, adults and kids, or maybe adults and then kids through the adults to help them engage kids in these conversations so if we can get these conversations started in families wouldn't that be fantastic i think that's what we're aiming after If we can build this culture of curiosity and questions where we run to god's word for answer i think you just can set a church on fire in a very positive way if we're digging into the word together the first question from the children have you ever baptized a baby in the hospital if so what was it like
3: what would occasion something like that
2: yeah great question so before I offer the answer I gave to the child, uh, is what would occasion that, a couple of different things could occasion that, and that's both have been the case for me, uh, both the case where uh, a child was not expected to live very long, that would be one that would occasion that, but two, In one case, uh, just a family was eager to do baptism the same day. And so they weren't ready to put it off. So I think there are positive reasons. I mean, obviously, desiring baptism is positive, but sometimes it's precipitated because of a potential loss of a child. And obviously that's a a source of great sorrow for families uh, and they desire to baptize their baby. But I love in this question that the child is asking this because again, like I mentioned a second ago, I think a lot of adults want to ask this question, but they just feel kind of weird coming up to their pastor and saying, have you ever baptized a baby in the hospital? What was it like? But when a child asks it, my inclination is that adults are going to lean in and say, yeah, I want to know that too. So I'll offer what I wrote to the child. And this question, I have a couple of children in my confirmation classes. They really get into this learning journal thing. So I ask them for one question. (laughs) Some of these kids will write five, six, seven, eight, nine, even 10 questions sometimes. So just for the sake of time, I have to be a little bit brief sometimes in my answers because I have other things I have to do in the week. So this is a shorter answer, but this is because it was in a string of about seven or eight questions that the child had asked. But I answer, yes, I have baptized a few. A couple were situations in which the child was not expected to live very long, so baptism was requested. One was for a family who simply wanted to celebrate baptism as soon as possible. So I stopped there, but I wanna expand upon that now with the rest of our listeners. And for all you adults who are listening here who are saying, oh, tell us the stories, right? That's what we wanna hear. Well, I remember one in particular where this couple found out that their child wasn't expected to survive, but for a couple hours, maybe three at most after birth. And I remember being on call and then being on call outside the room as they were waiting for this child to be born. Then you know after the child is born, within a few minutes, I'm invited in to bring this gift of baptism and assurance to this family. And I'll tell you, I don't know if I can put the emotions into words without getting emotional myself because it's a pretty powerful moment. Not only are we giving this child this great gift of everlasting life, but at the same time, we're getting ready to grieve the loss of their earthly life and to grieve with, with this couple who's going to only be able to hold their child but for a couple hours. So there's great source of sorrow. I had another one with a child who had significant medical issues and was only going to live for a few weeks. So I, again, I was invited into the ICU in this case, and it wasn't within hours, but within days after the child was born. I was invited into the same scenario where we gathered around and I'll tell you this one, because at this point in this child's life, they were hoping that maybe, maybe a miracle and this child would live. And so this child was hooked up to tubes and wires and every machine under the sun. And we're doing a baptism Uh, celebrating the sacrament of baptism with all the beeping and the ventilators and just the machines. So it's certainly not your normal environment for baptism, but there in the midst of that, what the beautiful thing is, there in the midst of that hospital room, there Jesus was and he was bringing salvation to this child. And again, this mix of emotions of great gratitude to our Lord for connecting his promise to baptism and then great sorrow as well. But then at the same time, the great hope that comes from the resurrection. So those would be uh, two examples of a precipitating event in terms of like the loss of life. One was simply family, like I said, who was eager to celebrate baptism and didn't want to have to wait till Sunday. And so we did it the same day. And that was a source of great joy and celebration. But I do want to reflect just briefly, and, and any pastor listening, you can identify with this, or, or maybe a family who's been in that scenario. My heart bleeds with you, it, it hurts with you. I, I know this loss, and yet the great comfort that baptism brings. Todd, I'll tell you, I, I'm sure in your ministry, you probably have had these, these uh, scenarios, but when you have a casket the size of an Amazon box, ah, phew, that hits you in a place that it's hard to describe. But like I said, this is why we need baptism. It's why we need certainty, it's why we need hope. And what we need is the assurance that it doesn't end like this. So one of my, my favorite hymns, in fact, I love memorizing the hymns. And so uh, God's own child, I gladly say it, especially when my children were younger. They weren't very good sleepers at night. So I did a lot of pacing back and forth with kids. And so I would memorize the hymns and sing it to them. And I memorized God's own child, I gladly say it. But uh, in verse, I think it's uh, verse four, where it talks about death, it actually addresses death. I mean, think about that. We have a, a hymn that addresses death. In fact, this hymn addresses sin and Satan and death and says, listen up, I have something to say to you. So the verse says, death, you cannot end my gladness. I am baptized into Christ. When I die, I leave all sadness to inherit paradise. Though I lie in dust and ashes, faith assurance brightly flashes. Baptism has the strength divine to make life immortal mine. I just find that to be so stirring. I mean, in my mind, the way I kind of conceptualize this is, death can throw a wet blanket over things in our life and it can dampen our gladness for a long time. But the one thing it cannot do, it cannot end it. It cannot kill it. It cannot take it away. Because number one, it can't put Jesus back in the tomb. And number two, it can't take away God's promise in baptism. So one of the things I encourage our people to do, and you know, for everyone listening, maybe you want to think about this as well. As a pastor, I've been a pastor just shy of 20 years and uh, getting really close to about 300 funerals in that time. And I'm encouraging people Instead of talking about the cemetery, to talk about Resurrection Hill. That's what I refer to it as, it's a Resurrection Hill. And I think that's just such a, a great image and it builds that baptismal promise into it. And I'll make one more uh, reference for people just uh, as uh, something maybe to consider looking up. And Todd, you were at the LCMS National Convention and maybe you got to hear when the hip hop artist Flame addressed the convention. and. I suspect this is the first time we've ever had a hip hop artist address the convention. But people listening, I would encourage you just to Google his song, Mark them with the triune name. So flame, mark them with the triune name. I understand we might not all be hip hop fans, but just listen. Here's his refrain. He says baptism, he said it marks them with the triune name, forgives them of sin, then makes them clean. Get the spirit and the gift of faith at once. And then he says this line, this is the one that sticks in my brain. Bring them babies to the font. Ah, that's beautiful. I just commend people really to extol that gift of baptism. And you know what? If you find yourself in that scenario where you're not sure that baby's gonna live, get that pastor there and get that baby baptized. And hey, you know what? You don't have to wait till Sunday to get that baby baptized either. If you wanna do that baptism in the hospital, get that pastor there, bring that baby to the font.
3: Pastor Jonathan Connor is our guest. It's part three of our series Kids Have Questions. Another question related to that if a newborn baby dies, will they be saved?
0: This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we continue our adventures in Acts with Forgiveness is Proclaimed to You, Turning to the Gentiles, Signs and Wonders, We Are Men, and Through Many Tribulations. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendoors.org
3: or your favorite podcast provider. How do the global flood, circumcision, and the Israelites wandering in the wilderness foreshadow the baptismal flood in Christ? Find out in the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for August, The Baptismal River, Studying the Sacrament Throughout Scripture. This new Bible study is published by Concordia Publishing House, their phone number 1-800-325-3040. Or find out more about The Baptismal River at IssuesETC.org, The Baptismal River, Studying the Sacrament Throughout Scripture
1: the light of God's Word in a world of darkness. You're listening to Issues Etc.
4: Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. Memoria Press is a family-run publisher of classical Christian education materials for homeschools and private schools. Every page of the Memoria Press curriculum leads students to a mastery of content, an understanding of the classical heritage of the Christian West, and an appreciation of truth, goodness, and beauty. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. memoriapress.com
3: The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod provides ways to help congregations support and care for military families. Resources include a list of military bases with nearby LCMS congregations, a farewell order of service care package instructions, a ministry by mail program, and more. You'll find these resources at lcms.org slash armed forces. Serving those who serve LCMS ministry to the armed forces, lcms.org slash armed forces. It's part three of our series, Kids Have Questions. Pastor Jonathan Connor is our guest. Here's a question related to the first one. If a newborn baby dies, will they be saved? How does that work?
2: Yeah, and this is connected to the last one. So the implication or the assumed part was here, if the newborn baby dies apart from baptism. And adults who are listening, I know you've asked this question before. I know we all have. And maybe we're a little afraid to to ask it, but it's an important question to ask. So here's what I said to the child first. Here's the short answer. We are not qualified to answer that question. What we can say though, is that God loves children and that he will do what is right. In other words, no one will accuse him of acting unjustly. Further, we recognize that some families had intended to baptize their baby, but lacked opportunity. In such cases, we believe God honors the intent. Now, that's where my answer ends. And the thing I want to emphasize for all of us, so if you get asked this question sometime, you know, how are you gonna answer that question? My encouragement is this, don't end with I don't know because there's so much we do know. Now, I understand there are things we don't know. I'm not saying making up things, Don't, don't answer where we don't know an answer. But my point here is let's not end with i don't know instead let's go to what we do know this is why baptism is so important of course in this scenario we lack the promise of baptism but this is why in the lutheran tradition why we're so big on going to the places where we know right we always want to go there so what do we know in this scenario well here's what we know especially if that's for instance say the mother is a christ confessing mother all right so she's been in the divine service where she's heard the word preached she's been given the sacrament now I understand some may consider what i'm going to say a little bit of a stretch but if it does anything it magnifies the word and i'm good with magnifying the word but here's the thing that baby has been in the presence of the word of god okay that baby has been in the presence of the preached word of god and the sung word of god and that baby and i think it's fair to say this in some sense has been blessed by the sacrament of the altar so My point here is we need to point people, children and adults, whoever we're talking to, point them to what we do know, okay? So what we know, we know that the Word of God is powerful and we know that the Word of God saves. And if that mother has been in the divine service, that baby has been in the presence of the Word of God. And if that mother has confessed that word at home, you know, we encourage people, confess the creed, pray the Lord's Prayer, do that every day, be in the Word. That baby then has been in the presence of the Word. So what I'm encouraging us all to do is acknowledge what we don't know. We need to be honest what we don't know. Apart from baptism, we don't know for certain, but what we do know is God's Word is powerful. We do know that that baby, has been in the presence of God's word. And I think we can go to bed at night, resting on what we do know and not struggling with what we don't know. We have to leave what we don't know in the hands of God, but God hasn't left us totally without certainty. He has shown us many things. So I think we want to turn people to what we do know. If a woman has a
3: miscarriage or has an abortion, Is that baby alive enough to be saved if so how
2: would a family know their child was saved isn't that a great question i mean these are kids asking these questions and i'm so humbled when they ask these questions and honestly every pastor out there Use the learning journal idea, This is it's so easy, it's in a blank notebook and put it in front of the kids and let them write their questions. I think you'll just be stunned with the questions they ask. And I think it'll also be a window into the questions that our adults are asking. So I, I highly encourage this. But here's the answer I offered the child. And say this question is related to the above question so it's related to the question just before because that was the same child who asked it if the family intended to have their child baptized we believe god honors that intent we've talked about that in one of our previous podcasts in the case of abortion we give the situation over into the hands of a merciful god we know that he will do what is right we know that he is merciful and we know that he loves children beyond that We have to acknowledge that our knowledge is limited. We do not have certainty. So we have to lean into the few things that we do know. So I end there. But again, notice notice what I'm doing. We're acknowledging what we don't know. And that's the hard part here, that there are things we don't know the answer to. So we're gonna lean into what we do know, and that's important. And we wanna lead people to what we do know and what God has revealed. I often tell people what God has not revealed is like spelunking. That's cave exploration, right? Spelunking without a light. I wouldn't recommend it, okay? There's no certainty in spelunking without a light. So we want to direct people, children, everyone to where God has shown his light, and that is Jesus. Now, one other thing in the child's question, which, which just simply reflects the curiosity of a child, but I, I think it might also reflect some of the messaging that our world tries to throw at our kids. And parents and grandparents, when you're listening to this, I want you to pick up on this because the child asked, is that baby alive enough to be saved? That alive enough question, I think we need to tune into that just a little bit because I think there's a little bit of evidence there of a world that tries to convince us that that baby in the womb isn't fully a person or not fully alive or somehow not fully real in some sense until a certain point in the pregnancy or until they're born or something of that nature. So I think we need to just also realize, yes, that baby is alive from the moment of conception. From the moment of conception, every person listening right now, all you needed from the moment of conception, you needed a safe place to grow and mature. So you're every bit alive. And I would say, <laughs> we're every bit able for God to show his mercy. and. Can I answer in specificity? Can I give rock solid assurance? No, I can't. But I can turn to what I know about who God is as a merciful God, as a God who loves and as a God whose word is powerful. And going back to the God will do what is right, God is righteous. So I don't need to go to sleep at night worrying that God's not gonna do the right thing. I'm not gonna stand before him one day and say, you did it wrong. I'm going to leave that judgment to him and trust him. So I think it's a great question, and there's a lot of uncertainty in there. We want to go to where we have certainty, and that's in the nature of God, the righteousness of God, the love of God, and find our peace in that reality of God. Just to pause
3: a moment. Why do you think these questions occur to little children? These are fairly mature subjects. The issue of death and abortion and miscarriage are
2: things that uh, obviously are on the minds of some of the children. They are. You know, for different kids, maybe different reasons, but I I don't think uh, it's any stretch to say, look, abortion's kind of in our face a lot in our culture, at least you know, in the last couple of years. I, I think these kids are tuned in to these debates that are happening in our culture. And I think also what I've discovered, at least with this learning journal endeavor, some of these kids, have had hard things in their life. I mean, they mentioned, the child mentioned miscarriage, and that's not something that is totally foreign to some of these kids because they either know a parent or a family who's had that, or maybe they themselves. So uh, they've had these experiences. What I find so encouraging, on the one hand, we can ask, why are they asking these questions? But what encourages me is they're asking their pastor these questions and they feel comfortable doing it because they, Like I mentioned earlier, the culture of questions, the thing I tell these kids every year is, I promise you, I will answer your questions. And I want you to feel safe and comfortable asking these questions, both in class and in the learning journal or anytime. But when you build that culture of questions where they know they're not gonna be shot down or treated like that's a question they shouldn't ask, I think it encourages kids. And I'll I'll tell you, even though I'm not handing out learning journals to my adults in the church, you can develop that sort of culture with your adults too. But I think as pastors, we simply can't be afraid to have our people ask questions. As I like to tell people, the church has been around for 2000 years. We've pretty much had all the questions thrown at us. And uh, I think we can find a very satisfactory answer for these questions. So I think some of those things uh, play into that. The next
3: question we'll deal with on the other side of the break. During times I feel like I'm struggling to stay connected with God, how will I know I will be saved? Pastor Jonathan Connor is our guest. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues, Etc.
1: It is the sentence of this court that Thasius Cyprianus be executed with the sword. Cyprian, thanks be to God.
3: Lutheran Church, Missouri, Sended President Pastor Matt Harrison, speaking at this year's Issues, Etc., making the case conference.
1: So, I would rather lay down on this spot and have my head chopped off than give up the word of God. But with that strong, biblically informed conscience, I shall face my day and age, You shall face this day and age. We will confess Christ no matter what we face. And we will bear witness to a better way in Jesus, come what may. Amen.
3: You can watch and listen to Pastor Matt Harrison Making the Case for the Lutheran Option from the 2023 Making the Case Conference for a $300 gift by Labor Day. You can access an on-demand video stream or download a podcast of the entire conference. Order today at issuesetc.org.
0: When you hear the word heresy, what do you think of? Do you think of some ancient debate the church has gotten over and forgotten? Do you think of some stubby old theologians just arguing over things that don't matter? There's a lot more to heresies than you might think. And that's what the August issue of the Lutheran Witness is all about. Heresies, ancient and modern to pick up your copy, visit cph.org slash witness or visit our website, witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. This is Pastor Leonard Payton of St. John Lutheran Church, Forest Park, Illinois. Forest Park being an inner ring suburb of Chicago. We're a mile and a half south of Concordia University, Chicago, and a 10-minute walk from a metro station and the ends of both the Blue Line and the Green Line. If work is moving you to Chicago, consider joining us. If you're visiting Chicago, come worship with us. It's a church for a great city and a great location. Our website is stjohnforestpark.org.
1: Sanctifying your yard work with the Word of God. You're listening to Issues Etc.
0: I like to think of the deaconess' vocation as driven by two things, the love of Christ and the needs of our neighbor.
3: Issues, etc. A regular guest, Dr. James Busher, director of Deaconess Studies at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, on the vocation of deaconess.
0: First, the deaconess is moved by the love of Christ, who came not to be served but to serve. Yet, I think we can also see the profound needs around us: broken families, loneliness, despair. Deaconesses help the church to become a true family that manifests the love of Christ in our love for one another and especially for those in need.
3: For more information on the Deaconess Studies Program at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, visit ctsfw.edu or call Concordia Theological Seminary at 1-800-481-2155, 800-481-2155. Welcome back to Issues, Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. It's our series Kids Have Questions. Pastor Jonathan Connor is our guest pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Manning, Iowa. Pastor Connor, here's another one. During times I feel like I'm struggling to stay connected
2: with God, how will I know I will be saved? Oh, man. Isn't that a great question? And don't you just kind of feel that true struggle that child's experiencing? And And again, this is, I think, why this series is popular with adults because adults know this struggle. I think this is very real to a lot of us, but what I want to zero in on here is how will I know I will be saved? That's a great question and we have good answers for that. So let me first of all answer the child and then we'll expand upon it. So I say, great question. Here's how to think through this and just to pause for a second. That's something I'm always trying to help kids and adults do. I want to give an answer, but I don't want to just give an answer. I also want people to help them understand how to think through their questions so that that they're equipped to do that kind of thinking through and processing on their own. I mean, I want them to ask me the questions, but not just tell them the answer, but to tell them how to arrive at the answer, I think is important. So I continue, are you saved by the strength of your faith? or by the strength of the one in whom you are placing your faith? Obviously the latter. So when we don't feel connected to God, we need to ask ourselves some foundational questions. Did Jesus die for me? Yes. Did he give his grace and forgiveness to me in baptism? Yes. Did he establish a church for me in which I can hear his word preached and receive his forgiveness? Yes these are the objective works of god for you this is how you can find confidence in your salvation you find it by turning your attention away from you to jesus okay so that's where my answer ends but i want to point out just how important this answer is, okay? And it's one that grows out of good, solid, biblical and sacramental theology. It's it's a key emphasis of the Lutheran confession. So basically what I'm doing here is saying, think like a Lutheran, all right? Because this brings confidence and certainty and comfort, all right? So I often use this example for people when we're talking about this sort of question. I'll say, okay, you're sitting in a chair right now, Are you saved from falling to the ground by the strength of your faith in the chair or by the strength of the legs in the chair? Well, obviously we're saved by the strength of the legs in the chair. It's the object that saves us. It's not how strongly or how firmly we believe it. It's how strong is the object. So again, our, our focus is always going to be to look to the object, which is Jesus. So the message is not... You hear this a lot in evangelicalism today. So uh, any of our evangelical friends who are listening, listen now, okay? I want you to hear a distinctive in in what's being preached in our Lutheran churches. We are not saying to you, try harder, pray more, give more, deny yourself, sacrifice more. Now, Now, I want to say, yes, that's a part of the Christian life, all right? Yes, we need to love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. And yes, we need to hear challenges like to sacrificially give. And I'll be honest, that's something we as American Christians, we need to work on. I mean, if I had a, if, this is for our good friend, Heath Curtis. Heath, I, you, you probably will listen. Heath, here's your message for stewardship for the LCMS. Tithe. <laughs> okay, done, we can move on. If we grasp that, why? Because the tithing church is a thriving church, right? Because your heart actually does follow your treasure. And if you put your treasure where you want your heart to be, your heart will run to catch up. Nonetheless, the point here is we're not preaching this, do more, deny yourself more, be better. You've got to do it, okay? No, we're actually doing the opposite. We're pointing you to the one who did more for you, right? That's Jesus, because the issue we're having here, this is the question about certainty of salvation, and it cannot be found in our works pride and despair they can be found in our works but not salvation salvation is found in the accomplished work of jesus christ that is gifted to us through his objective means now i'm not disparaging works we talked about works in one of the previous questions all right but because there is great joy in doing the works of God and serving your neighbor and being a living conduit of God's love and discovering divine purpose in your vocation. So I think of, for example, in Luther's explanation to the fourth commandment in the large catechism, he has this great phrase where he talks about parenthood as a majesty concealed. I think that's a beautiful image. So dads and moms out there, your vocation, God considers it a majesty concealed. It's his beautiful regal thing of God. So it's beautiful, right? But the question is, how can I know where is certainty found? So like I said, think like a Lutheran. It's found in the work of Jesus for you that he brings to you. So you can kind of summarize it with these sorts of phrases. Answers like this, for you, to you, over you, in you or you could say it's spoken to you it's sung to you it's poured over you it's fed to you that's how you know so we need to take the attention off of kind of looking inward upon ourselves and just basically turn ourselves inside out, externals, outside of us, to these objective places where God promises that He is bringing grace and salvation, life and forgiveness to us. That's where we will find our certainty. And
3: that is uh, the only true connection to God, to use the words of the
2: children's question. Yes, yes, that's the connection. Again, I think, so much of popular preaching today focuses so much on our believing, and yes, we need to believe the promises of Jesus, but it's almost like, you know, you have you got to do your part here, and if you don't do enough, you can't be sure that you're going to be saved. And that's a hard burden to live with. I was talking to, we have a new vicar in our circuit, and he came out of a charismatic tradition. And he was telling us his story of coming to the Lutheran confession. And he said, can you imagine this? And here's what he said. In his tradition, you know, he had to pray the sinner's prayer. And he said, he would pray the sinner's prayer over and over and over again, night after night after night after night. For years, he prayed this prayer. Over and over again every night, hoping that one time it would be sincere enough that it would be for real this time. Can you imagine that sort of despair you live with? He said, until a friend handed him a small catechism. And he said, he read it and he said, this, this, this is the truth. This is confidence. This is comfort. And from there, this guy's a great guy. He went on to devour the Book of Concord. I mean, that's remarkable. And he has wholeheartedly embraced this. And for my Lutheran friends out there, he lamented that some of our friends are eager to give this up. And he says, you got to know the treasure that you have. If you've lived without it for years and years and years, and you've gone to bed at night praying, maybe this time I'll be sincere enough, don't give up the certainty that God has for you in these sacraments and this word, the subjective connection, there's your certainty in the accomplished work of Jesus, which is proclaimed to you, it's poured over you, it's put in your mouth, and you swallow it down. That's confidence. That's connection to God.
3: It's our series Kids Have Questions with Pastor Jonathan Connor. This is Issues, Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks to Carol in Duluth, Minnesota, Troy in Dripping Springs, Texas, and Barbara in. El Dorado Hills, California, for recently ordering audio and video recordings of the 2023 Issues, etc., Making the Case Conference. This year's conference featured presentations by journalists Mark and Molly Hemingway, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod President Matt Harrison, Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee, Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy, and Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever will send you a link and a password for a $300 donation by Labor Day. Order today at issuesetc.org or by giving us a call, 618-223-8385. On the other side, how do we know that God cares for us? For all we know, the Bible could just be old folklore. The free online Issues Etc. journal. Just click the red journal subscription button at issuesetc.org.
4: In a child's life, meaningful relationships matter when it comes to academic development and spiritual nurture. In Lutheran schools, students know they are uniquely and wonderfully made in God's image. Each day in over 1,800 Lutheran schools, children experience a rich academic, loving, and Christ-centered environment where they can explore and develop their God-given talents and abilities. To find a Lutheran school near you, visit lcms.org
1: schools. Keeping the message straight. Getting the message out. You're listening to Issues Etc.
0: Not everyone is comfortable with new technology.
1: let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father. Listen to Chapel Services live weekday mornings from Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Morning Chapel from Kramer Chapel. Live weekday mornings at 8.30 Central, 9.30 Eastern, 7.30 Mountain, and 6.30 Pacific at issuesetc.org.
3: I'm Todd Wilkin. Pastor Jonathan Connor is our guest. It's our series, part three of Kids Have Questions. Pastor Connor, here's a final question. How do, or actually a series of questions. How do we know God cares for us? For all we know, the Bible could be an old folklore. And how do we know he exists?
2: Oh wow, there are a lot of great questions in there. This particular child, I love this child. This child has lots of questions and oftentimes likes to play kind of the skeptic, even though this child has a great faith, likes to play the skeptic. So first I'm gonna answer the question. It's a little bit longer answer because there are several questions actually baked into one. And then we'll see what kind of time we have, how much more I can go into detail. So I say, wonderful questions. Let's start with the first one. How do we know God cares? Because, Jesus specifically established the office of the ministry or pastor by and through which he would bring his promises to us. So Jesus gave pastors a job to do, bring his word and his sacraments to his people. So we know God cares for us because he has connected his promise to these objective means. He calls a pastor to preach God's word into our ears he gives baptism to wash us he gives the lord's supper to forgive us so he connects his promises of love and life to these objective means so that we can know he cares for us now regarding the bible here's the thing if the bible is merely folklore then we have to throw out everything we know about ancient history because the bible is the best preserved and most attested document from ancient history so think about it how do we know julius caesar existed how do we know aristotle or plato or socrates existed because we have the written record of their lives and writings but here's the thing we have exceedingly more and better documentary evidence for the bible than we do for these ancient figures so if we throw the bible out as folklore then we have to throw everything out now when it comes to jesus we not only have the written record in the bible but we have numerous other ancient sources that testify to jesus's life here are a few josephus tacitus suetonius and pliny the younger all of them talk about jesus but We can't sell short the Bible. It was written by the eyewitnesses or those who interviewed them. It is an incredible historical document that bears witness to Jesus on page after page. No serious historian denies Jesus existed. They may deny he is the son of God, but the evidence is overwhelming that he existed and that the Bible is a historical document that bears witness to him. That's where the answer ends. And I'll just expand upon that now for our listeners. And I I hope listeners that you're also kind of in your mind saying, well, how would I answer that question? That's what's fun about these questions is I hope as you're listening along, you're saying, oh, I could add this or I wonder if he's going to say that. So just the the nature of asking questions, I think, is very engaging for all of us. I hope all of you are kind of thinking how you would answer these questions. And maybe some of the things I offer will be helpful in that. So how do we know God cares? Well, we've talked about that. Where does he show it, right? He shows it in his objective means. So I think we've kind of covered that before. That's where we want to take people. How do we know he cares? Take them to the objective works of God in Jesus. All right, now... The question about Bible as folklore, or we could talk about the reliability of the Bible. Obviously you could go for a whole podcast just on this. I would recommend uh, maybe one very accessible book that's really written on the layman's level. It's very short. It's about the gospels, but that'll give you a good uh, starting point. Peter Williams writes the book, Can We Trust the Gospels? It's very accessible. And I think he offers some great insights and a really, really helpful introductory sort of book to this sort of question. But also other authors like Craig Evans and Richard Bauckham, these are top-notch scholars that really dig into that question. So if that's a question you have, I'd recommend those authors, right? Craig Evans, Richard Bauckham, and also Peter Williams would be three authors to look up. But one sort of takeaway phrase I often like to use with people when it comes to the Bible, I'll tell them, look, you can dig up everything in the Bible except Jesus. Right? So in other words, you got this historical record and it, it's been found to be reliable over and over and over again on many different counts. So we have a very solid testimony to the reliability of scripture. And we can go into way more detail. Just time doesn't allow us to do that, but I'm going to get to the, how do we know God exists? And there are really uh, two answers, two ways to come at this. I, the first one is simply to go straight after the resurrection. And you know if I only had five minutes go to the resurrection. And for all of our listeners, if you have to pick where to go first, go to the resurrection first. I'm going to share a second evidence for God in a minute, which I think is important, which works even with three year olds. I've done it with three year olds and it's very effective. But I'm going to start with the resurrection and go to first Corinthians chapter 15. There you're going to find this ancient and early creed of the church that confesses the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I would turn you on to uh, Gary Habermas and his minimal facts approach where he, what he does basically is he says, what are the minimal facts that are accepted by the majority of biblical scholars, whether they're Christian or not, what do they accept? And then with those facts, Habermas builds a convincing case for the resurrection. And his basic point is, if you've got the resurrection, you've got all you need. In fact, uh, several years ago, when I was studying under Habermas for a master's in Christian apologetics, uh, he was telling this story about he and Mike Lacona. Mike Lacona is another expert on the resurrection, by the way, has a great book on that too. But he was telling about their conversation with Nabil Qureshi. Now, Nabil Qureshi famously wrote the book, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. He died just a couple of years ago from cancer. That was a, a sad part of the story. But his conversion story is remarkable. And so Habermas is telling us this story. They're meeting with this devout Muslim and they finally get to the point of the resurrection and Nabil's just convinced the resurrection is for real. And he says, okay, okay, I grant you the resurrection, but I'm not ready for everything else. And Habermas with Lacona later that day said, if we got the resurrection, we've got all we need. In other words, once you get the resurrection, the rest is gonna open up. So that's what happened with Nabil. The resurrection was established. God is real. This is his son, Jesus. Everything else was just the floodgates open for him and his confession of Christ is beautiful. So I, I would recommend his book, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. But if uh, we have time, the next one I wanna, this will we'll probably close with this, but this this is a lot of fun, okay? to reason to where God exists. And I love doing this because what this does is, it's gonna take us right to the very first verse of the Bible. It's gonna bring us right up to the Bible and the Bible is gonna take over from here. So here's what you do. We're gonna use something called abductive reasoning. So that's where you reason from effect to cause. And we do this all the time. So let's pretend when you went off to work in the morning, your child's bedroom was a disaster, but when you came home, it was clean. So you need to figure out what caused the effect that you see you're going to reason from effect to cause and you know that information had to be inputted into the system right to go from messy to clean it had to be inputted in the system that an intelligent source has to produce this it's either the child or maybe mom or dad cleaned it okay I often tell my kids when it's time to pick up the house I'll say to them all right look guys we are going to input information into the system because the entropy has gotten out of hand. So in other words, a tornado won't do it. We all know that. We need intelligence that inputs information. So that's abductive reasoning. We're gonna reason from effect to cause. So when we see an effect, we need to ask what caused it. All right, so we'll take that to God now. And I'm gonna spare you the long version, but I'm gonna walk you through it. Here's how we do it. And like I said, this will even work with three and four-year-olds. I've had this conversation with them because usually they ask it in a question like this. They kind of ask, who made God? So you've had that question before. Well, this will also answer that question. So here's how you start it. You start with nothing. All right. So everybody just imagine absolute nothingness. Absolute nothingness. If ever there was a point then, when there's absolute nothingness, All right? So when I say nothingness, what I mean here is the stuff that rocks dream about. All right. So if you get that in your head, if ever there was a point when there was nothing, what would there be? today. Now, it's not a trick question. The answer is nothing. Now, I want to say here, you have authors out there like Stephen Hawking, he's dead now, but in his book, The Grand Design and Lawrence Krauss, another famous and intelligent atheist. They cheat on this. They always sneak in something into nothing. That's not fair. No cheating allowed. If we're going to start with nothing, it's the stuff that rocks dream about. Absolutely nothing. So if ever there was nothing, what would there be today? Nothing, but look around, tell me, is there nothing? The answer is no, there's a lot of somethings. So here's the thing, there's never been a point when there was nothing. So something or someone is eternal. Okay, and we know this from scripture, and we also know this from science and philosophy. And the short answer without going into the details of those two, but here's the message I want people to get to start us off. The universe is an effect. The universe is an effect. If the universe is an effect, here's the question, what caused it? So we're going to ask ourselves, we're going to reason from effect to cause. So what do we see? Well, Let's look around our universe what do we see we see a universe of inconceivable size and scope so whatever caused it is super powerful we also see a universe ordered for life right There's this is incredible fine-tuning it's inconceivably precise you have this whole series of book, the privileged species series, the miracle of the cell, the wonder of water, there's the children of light, fire maker, the miracle of man. They're all talking about the fine tuning of reality. Okay. I'll just summarize it this way. It's Goldilocks all the way down, even into your cells from the farthest reaches of the universe to the tiniest particles of your cells. It's Goldilocks all the way down. We have a universe ordered for life. well, what is the only thing that we know that can produce a universe ordered for life? Well, there must be some sort of super intelligence, some super mind. We also see a life that is ordered. And right? like I mentioned, your cells. So great books out there. Stephen Meyer, his book Signature in the Cell and Darwin's Doubt, phenomenal. In fact, there's a new book out by Steve Lothman and Howard Glicksman called Your Designed Body. This is so fantastic. They talk about the cascading problems. So like in your cells, if your cells ever reach equilibrium, you die, right? So you have to keep the potassium and sodium at the right ratios outside the cell and inside the cell. And the way the cell does it is remarkable. You got 30 trillion cells in your body and each of your cells has something like a million of these sodium potassium pumps. And they have to work precisely to keep keep the ratio exactly right for you to live. And if they fail, you die that the, the precision of the fine tuning is remarkable. So again, it's gonna take an intelligent engineer to pull this off. One more, you see persons in this universe, you and me, right? Well, okay, ask yourself, what do persons come from? Persons only come from persons. So the cause of persons must be personal. And finally, moral we know that this cause is moral. How do we know that? Because all of us know that there's a law above us. So for example, this is an easy way to just point this out. Ask people, do you believe torturing babies for fun is wrong? Yes. In fact, you'll never meet a person, as far as I'm aware, who would deny that. Because we all recognize intuitively that that's wrong. So we have a law that applies to all people of all time and all places. Well, there's only one cause big enough to be able to apply that law to all people in all time and all places. Only moral beings make laws. Rocks don't make laws. The number seven doesn't make a law. Moral beings make laws. So what have we found out? Okay, this is the short version. I could do it longer. But from reasoning to effect to a cause, we have an eternal powerful conscious intelligent mind who's personal and moral well what does that sound like to you here's what's fascinating how does the bible begin it basically says this okay so you've reasoned your way to the existence of god now let me introduce him to you isn't that exciting i think that's so exciting you can get us right up to the first verse the bible says well come on in I'm gonna introduce you to this God, that you're able to use your reason, this is natural law stuff, and get this far. We can reason this far. And then the Bible is gonna say, let me tell you about him. But we can know God exists from our reason up until we need to know who he is. We learned that in scripture when we meet his son, Jesus Christ. So I think that's a marvelous answer to offer. And I know that was long, but again, just remember to start with nothing. And if you start with nothing, you need to work your way to what caused the something. And you can reason from effect to cause. And uh, if you do that, I think it's a great way now to introduce then the God of the Bible, because that's where you're going to get people to. And now you can say, now would you like to hear about who this God is? He tells us about himself in this book. Pastor Jonathan Connor
3: is pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Manning, Iowa. Jonathan, thank you very much. Thanks, Todd. Friday on Issues Etc., we'll continue our series, The Lutheran Battle for the Bible, talking with Dr. Timothy Mashke about the historical critical method, and Dr. John Wolrobi about church and ministry. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening.
1: Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, IssuesEtc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. I am
4: beautiful. Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of His family through Jesus' shed blood.
0: Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I say yes to God in His ways.
3: Jesus the Good Shepherd says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life.
0: We invite you to join us as we listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd and follow Him who gives us eternal life. Sunday worship services at 9 a.m., Sunday school and Bible class at 10.30. Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, Arnold, Missouri, on the web at goodshepherdarnold.org. That's goodshepherdarnold.org.
4: Bahama Mama, Ocean Pacific, Paradise Island. Retreat from the heat with a shaved ice snow cone from tropical snow in Caseyville, Illinois. It's right across the street from Collinsville High School. Tropical snow is open daily from 1 to 9. Premium snow, epic flavors, lots of love. Tropical snow, across the street from Collinsville High School at 2134 South Morrison Avenue in Caseyville.